Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Okay, so I just got an email from a listener who said, Carmen, it sounds like this morning you're wandering around in the wilderness. Could you get back on track? So, (laughs) well, good morning. I I haven't felt off track so much as there's such an abundance of things we could talk about. It's hard to be selective. So let me just ask you, how are you curating your media today? How are you curating um, the conversational topics that you are going to introduce, that you're going to be prepared to talk about? Um, and how are you, you know, preparing yourself, heart, mind, and soul to prepare or to enter into the conversations that others introduce? You know, sometimes, sometimes what we're doing is just joyfully entering into the conversations that literally come to mind. And so what comes to mind this time of year are the things of, I hope, Christmas. And so you might want to be prepared to talk about what is evergreen. You want to be prepared to talk about the tree of life. You might want to be willing or be ready to talk about um, the the birth narrative of Jesus. <clears throat> I had a, a conversation a few days ago with a woman. I actually tweeted a story thread about this this morning um, because I was, I was praying for her, and it led me to, to sort of just want to put down, at least in one place, uh, this story. But she she's clearly considering as a single woman, she's clearly considering in vitro. And, you know, there's there's so many directions I could have taken the conversation. But the initial conversation was really just um, laying the groundwork for future conversations where I intend to continue to till the soil with her and and refi- and hopefully refine her thinking on this matter. But um, it led to all kinds of conversations about babies. And, I you know, I've never had children of my own. And so, you know, I don't have a birth narrative per se to tell. However, I have a rebirth narrative to tell. I can talk about being reborn in Christ. I can tell my rebirth story. Um, And so don't get so caught up in this season. um, If you are a person who is, you know, doesn't have their own biological children, don't get caught up in that. Um, Think about Joseph. This is not his biological child. And yet I feel pretty confident um, Joseph was, was proud of his boy Jesus. Um, he was certainly committed to raising him in a way that absolutely 100% honored God. Uh, and so uh, the children who are around us, however they come, however they come, um, is, is a gift. And so let us, um, let us receive them. Let us bless them. There's probably a way for you to bless a child today. If you just, if you just set out today and thought to yourself, you know what, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to be bolo, I'm going to be on the lookout for opportunities today to bless a child. I had a weird opportunity yesterday to bless a child. You know, some of you are going to say this doesn't sound like a real blessing. This sounds like commercialized Christmas. But and, and there's a little of that. But I was standing in the checkout line at my local pharmacy, and in front of me were two little girls who um, nobody is caring for them in the way that I'm hoping we are all caring for our kids. These, these children were unwashed. They... Um, they were somewhat gaunt, um, and they were absent. They were standing behind their mom, who was in line buying some things. 
and um, they were admiring these Christmas headbands. Now, these Christmas headbands were not particularly special, uh, you know, as as things go. But they, in the eyes of these two little children, these were like the greatest thing they'd ever seen. And I think they were like two ninety nine. They they were not expensive items. They will not endure forever. Um, and they were admiring them. They were trying them on. And um, the younger one said to the older one, I just wish we could get this for Christmas. And they kind of looked at each other and they, with very sad faces, put them back on the shelf. Well, I purchased them and and then asked the mom's permission if I could give them to the girls for Christmas. And this all transpired in the checkout line and then ultimately in at the door, like leading to the parking lot. Um, and really, you've never seen such delight on a child's face to get something that, for me, was not a great sacrifice at all. And to them is now like the Christmas gift that, at least in the checkout line, they really, really wanted. Um, I think asking the parent if you if you may give the child a gift is important. I want to dignify that mom. Um, and she was very gracious and appreciative and thankful. Um, but the delight in these little girls' eyes at, to receive this this very small token of celebration and acknowledgement of Christmas. Um, I Just look for ways today to bless a child. Look for ways today to bless a child. I'm just going to leave it there. When we come back, Adam Holtz will be with me from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We are going to, uh, we're going to talk about some Christmas entertainment controversies, including one related to Netflix, one related to Hallmark. Uh, and then we're going to talk about new movies out this week. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You guys can find uh, all that we're talking about today at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Great to talk to you this morning. Thank you. You, too. We are going to at our house tonight. Tonight is the night when we, um, because everybody's out of school, it's kind of the first opportunity to do this. Um, We're going to have our Christmas movie marathon. Ah, well. There you go. What are you going to be watching? Well, so pray for me because that means that I will be the snack lady and I will have to like keep the snacks coming so that, you know, Christmas movie night watching can endure into the wee hours. This is what I'm anticipating. So, you You know, I just what are we watching? I mean, yeah, (laughs) we're watching The Grinch and we're watching. uh, I don't know. I've seen the stack. It's enormous. They can't watch them all. So I don't know. I'll have to report after Christmas on what was actually watched. Well, I will look forward to your report. Okay. So it does have your report now. So um, a couple of fairly controversial things going on in the entertainment world, um, both related to Christmas. Yep. One of them is, is, a, is a Brazilian Netflix quote-unquote Christmas special, um, which portrays Jesus as, um, uh, as, as openly gay in an openly homosexual relationship. Uh, talk with us about yep. this. Yeah, it's called the first temptation of Christ, and as you said, it's a it's a you know quote Christmas special unquote uh, that Netflix is is putting on, and Jesus is gay, Mary smokes pot. It's sort of been compared to you know what if what if the gospel story met the Hangover. One of the articles I looked mm. at you know articulated it as, and um, and so yeah, there are, there are people that are are rightly upset 
and really calling on Netflix to to pull this down. And as Christians, Carmen, I, I have a, an incredibly ambivalent response because I think certainly I am I'm I hate to see Jesus treated this way. I was gonna say I'm offended. I don't know that I'm offended. I just think why why is it get, why did we get to have open season on Jesus? You know? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So if you depicted Muhammad this way, you'd be in trouble, right? That was exactly uh, actually that was exactly my reaction when I when I first saw this come out, and I don't know, now we've got like more than ten million people who have asked Netflix um, to remove this. Um, and so there's a lot of people out there who are advocating on the side of don't do this to Jesus. Like, just don't do this to Jesus. Um, yeah. uh, but my, my initial reaction was exactly what, what you are describing as well, which is if this had been Mohammed, there is just no oh, yeah. question. The reaction would be different and they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have done it because they would have absolutely feared the response. And, and on the other side, and this is not to defend it, but I have to also just take a step back and say, okay, there's a respect is, issue here. But this is not the worst people, thing that's ever happened to Jesus. No, it's not. And, <laughs> that was. And, well, but I mean, that was one of my one of my friends' that, responses. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She's like, this is not why, the worst thing that's ever happened to Jesus. Why would I expect people who don't believe what I believe about Jesus to treat him with reverence? And I also think that when we jump up and down and scream angrily. Um, to boycott something that we don't like, man, I think it's a bad look for us to people who don't follow Jesus. We just look like hysterical people who can't, you know, don't have a sense of humor and can't deal with anything. And again, I'm torn because I think there's validity in both points of view. I, I generally think that yelling and screaming for a boycott, that's power politics, right? And Jesus actually rejected power politics. We see in Scripture, you know, the world's not going to understand. The way to destruction is broad. The way to me is narrow. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Don't be surprised if people hate you. They hated me first. So this has been going on from the beginning. And trying to play a, you know, a power game feels like we're playing the game on their terms instead of on gospel terms. It's also, it is an opportunity for us to clarify the real story, the right story, the story that, uh, you know, is the revelation of God about who Jesus really is. And so that's what I have been encouraging, you know, people to do. Um, Yes, if you feel so led, absolutely sign, you know, sign the, there are several petitions out there. If you feel so led, sign sign a petition. Um, And, um, and I think Netflix should be, you know, held to account in terms of what they not only produce, but what they put out in, in, into the world. But as Christians, it really does give us an opportunity to tell the right story, the righteous story, the real yeah. story. Um, and people are interested in, in stories, and this is a good time of year to tell the story of Jesus. So um, it's framed in the context of Jesus's birthday party. Yeah, That's the, that's the way the whole the conversation takes place in this show. And so um, maybe that is an idea for people. Why don't you host and throw a surprise party invite lots of people who don't know Jesus and then talk about who Jesus really is at a surprise birthday party for him because they're probably not otherwise going to hear um the true story. Yeah. I think, I think that, that sounds like a terrific. That's a great Super idea. Super fun, right? Super fun. All right, serve red serve red fun. velvet cake. 
Yes. Red velvet cake. Okay, so um, Adam Holtz and I are going to be right back. We're going to talk about the Hallmark controversy, and then I'm basically going to give a, let him do a thumbs up, thumbs down on the movies coming out this week. We'll be right back. All right, Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Um, all right, give us the give us the quick brief on Hallmark um, because there was an ad. People pushed back. They removed the ad. Other people pushed back. They restored the ad. Where are we at now in the uh, Hallmark Channel kissing brides ad controversy? Well, I think you've just summarized the whole thing, and not that I don't have more to add, but that's the story. It's <laughs> it's this back and forth of trying to please constituencies, and Hallmark knows that it has a, a fairly conservative, traditional audience. That's who watches these movies, and so it catered to that audience the first time, and of course, the LGBTQ lobby was incensed, and now they're catering to that. And, you know, the group One Million Moms is urging a boycott uh, against Hallmark now because they've reinstated this ad. I think for for secular companies, trying to walk this tightrope is a lose-lose thing. I mean, we saw the same thing with Chick-fil-A. You know, Chick-fil-A tries to take a step toward um, placating the left and the right gets mad. I mean, it's they can't win on this issue. And I think the progressives aren't satisfied with anything other than full and complete celebratory affirmation. And so even if you try to, you know, throw them a bone, that's not good enough. And so uh, there's a a kind of totalizing discourse going on here that uh, it leaves, you know, organizations like Hallmark and Chick-fil-A in a really hard spot. And I know that there are reasons to be critical of both of them, but I sympathize with people trying to make decisions on what are we supposed to do here? Because it just makes, it ends up making everybody angry. All right. So um, in the spirit of not making people angry, uh, the reference to throwing somebody <laughs> a bone is not uh, in any way seeking to dehumanize anyone who wants anything. That's not what Adam is doing. He's just using right. a cultural reference that we all understand. Yes, that's true. It's about, I know, I mean, I know, I know. I just thought that I'd say it before I started getting text messages about it. So, Adam, um, let's do like, I, I, like literally, let's do a thumbs up, thumbs down um, until we get to Star Wars and then we'll talk or, or Hidden okay. Life. Which one do we want to right. – because we probably have time to talk about one substantively. You want to talk about a Hidden Life or you want to talk about Star Wars? Well, I want to talk about Star Wars because okay. it's, All it's right. the, so then, so, it's so the, the rest deal. of them. So the rest of them we're just going to do a thumbs up, thumbs down. Spies yes. in Disguise. Spies in disguise. Uh, I'm going to go thumbs sideways because we don't post our review on that till next week. And in full disclosure, I have our review and I haven't read it yet, so I can okay. say something, but it, it would be uninformed. There you go. How about cats? Cats. Thumbs up from family perspe- family friendly perspective. Uh, thumbs in some sort of weird angle in terms of how weird this movie is. Right, weirdness. I was going to give it a thumbs down on the weirdness on the weirdness rating. Um, yeah. Uncut gems and gems is. G-E-M-S, Uncut Gems. Uh, as far down as we can go. Adam Sandler movie with 700 profanities. Most okay, profane a, movie we've ever reviewed. <laughs> okay, uh, most profane movie movie ever. So that is like thumbs down, two thumbs down, six thumbs down. Um, I feel like Bombshell is also as many thumbs down as we can give. Well, Bombshell is interesting because it really is trying to deal with 
the question of what we do with harassment. It's an R-rated movie. It's thumbs down from a content perspective, but I, I think that it's trying to to deal with this issue. And depending on your political persuasion, what you may think one thing about it or another, because obviously it has to do with with Fox News. Mm. Okay, and then um, a hidden life. Uh, thumbs all the way up. This is Terrence Malick's movie about a conscientious objector in Austria in World War II who refuses to sign up to do Hitler's bidding, and he pays an incredible price. Uh, this is one of the best movies of the year. Okay, so over the holidays, go see um, go see the movie, not only A Hidden Life, but um, if it's still in theaters where you live uh, and you haven't seen it yet, go see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood um, yes. because uh, that is that is the best movie of the year. Okay, now talk about Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, man. Um, Plot-wise, The Rise of Jedi, or excuse me, Rise of Skywalker ends the Star Wars saga. Uh, we get Rey and Poe and Finn and Chewbacca and... The whole gang is back. We're fighting against Kylo Ren still. It's an incredibly complex plot. I'm going to not, this isn't a spoiler because it's in the ads. Emperor Palpatine from the first trilogy is back. So we sort of are bringing things full circle. And it's the story of the Resistance versus Kylo Ren uh, and Emperor Palpatine with many, many, many twists along the way. Um, Secular critics have hated it, they have hated it. And they have hated it because J.J. Abrams has sort of systematically undone all the things that Last Jedi did that incensed the fans. Fans are loving it. It's at 87% on Rotten Tomatoes for fans and 58% for for critics, which is just about the opposite of what Last Jedi was. Okay, as a fan, I found this movie deeply satisfying. I I really liked it. I've seen it twice already. Uh, mostly because I had an early screening as a press person. And then my son and I saw it again last night. I cried the second time I saw it at the end. It totally works for me as a fan. So now I will take off my fan hat and put on my plugged-in hat, which is where things get more complicated. And tying back into what we were just talking about, they have put a gay kiss in at the end between two very minor characters, we don't even know their names in the film, uh, who are kissing in a celebratory scene in the background. Spoiler warning, happy ending, I should say that. Um, And then we see them again holding hands. And J.J. Abrams is on record as saying, you know, I wanted to give something to my fans in the LGBTQ community. They love this movie. I wanted them to be able to see themselves represented here. And certainly Mm -hmm. that is the sentiment in Hollywood these days. It's almost a blink and you'll miss it scene. It's in the background. It's not in the foreground. Um, You could easily miss it if you're not looking for it, but it's absolutely there. And so you toss that in with probably more profanity than we've heard in the other Star Wars movies, and not a lot, you know, seven or eight mild profanities. Some interesting spiritual things go on with the Force that you'll definitely want to talk about. So there's there's actually quite a bit going on content-wise here, and some... Some violence. I mean, the limbs come off, and we see mm. them sort of le- laying on their own. Um, and it, I felt like there was as much content to deal with in a Star Wars movie as probably any in the series since maybe Revenge of the Sith, all the way back, way back when. So my plugged-in hat is is definitely less positive than my fan hat. Okay, so um, we know that we're supposed to be looking forward to some kind of Star Wars sort of comprehensive review from Dan DeWitt. You might want to watch for it at Theolatte.com. 
Um, okay. And yeah, you guys might, um, <clears throat> you might, there might be some good banter there. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Adam yeah. Holtz from Plugged In. We're going to have to leave it right there. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We look forward to talking with you again in 2020. Sounds great, Carmen. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. All right, so uh, trending on social media right now, since I'm about to have a social media conversation with Chris Martin of LifeWay Social, um, I thought I'd just check out and see what is trending on Twitter right now. And uh, among other things, trending trending on Twitter is Christianity Today. If you want to check out why Christianity Today is trending on Twitter, I feel confident that if you type Christianity Today in your search engine and you hit the news link, Wowzers! Uh, you're going to have um, your selection, a, a, a wide range of takes on the piece posted at ChristianityToday.com, um, which is entitled, um, uh, Why Trump Should Be Removed from Office. Pretty sure that's basically the title. I don't have it up on my screen right now, but that's the gist of it. <clears throat> okay, um, looking forward to a robust conversation about that in the days ahead. Right now, we're going to talk with Chris Martin from LifeWay Social about how social media has evolved. And when you think about this, when you think about Y2K, which was only 20 years ago, like right now, right now, 20 years ago, we were um, all a Twitter, not in the way we're all a Twitter today, but we were all a Twitter with what was going to happen. None of us really knew what was going to happen when that year rolled over from 1999 to 2000 because there was this question about whether or not computers would be able to figure that out. And so it was possible that everything that ran on a computer all over the world was going to collapse. You could imagine how scary that was. If you lived through it, you also know that, oh, huh, nothing happened. Uh, the computers figured it out just fine. Um, well, since then, we've had the advent of all kinds, not only of advancements related to computer technology, where we carry computers in our hands now, um, but social media. And so Chris Martin's going to come, and we're going to talk about how social media has evolved and really how that has changed us. That's next here on Mornings with Carmen. Uh, there's no question the Nazarene will be executed. They've got the Galilean in custody. Our sources tell us one of his own men turned him in. Film at 11. A few weep, a few smile, a few walk up the hill to see the spectacle. This is Max Lucado. The immensity of Jesus' execution makes it impossible to ignore. See the women arguing on the street corner? The countless pilgrims entering Jerusalem for the Passover? They'll go home with the spellbinding story of the teacher who was raised from the dead. Everyone is choosing a side. You can't be neutral on an issue like this one. And today, 2,000 years later, the same is true. A choice is demanded. No fence sitting is permitted. The cross, in its absurd splendor, won't allow that. On which side are you? This is Max Lucado. talk with Chris Martin. He's the manager of LifeWay Social. We like to talk about things that are happening in social media and how those trends in social media affect us um, in real life and in real relationships. Chris, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. So 20 years ago, um, you were not paying attention to such things maybe, but um, 20 years ago we had Y2K 
And we weren't even sure that computers would, like, survive the night. Ten years ago, um, ten years ago, we did not have many of the social media platforms that exist today, certainly not in their current form. Talk with us about the evolution of, well, the, the emergence of social media and then the evolution of social media just in the past decade. Sure. So, like... Yeah, 20 years ago, Y2K uh, is a fun memory. I remember um, it was one of the first times I remember doing anything special for New Year's Eve. I was in the third grade, I think. And um, my family went, there was like a kid's part, a kid's New Year's Eve bash at some, I think like museum in downtown Fort Wayne, the town I grew up in in Indiana. There were all kinds of kids activities. Pokemon had just burst onto the scene, like like the original. And so I remember there being some sort of like Pokemon activities and some craft time and all kinds of different things. We went there with some family friends, I think. And then when it was time for the actual countdown to to the new year, I think we went outside in the frigid northern Indiana uh, weather on that New Year's Eve and, and all waited for everything to stop working, right? Um, thankfully, that didn't happen and, and every, every preparations were taken. Everything ended up working out. But uh, in the, you know, social media really wasn't much of a thing at that point. At that point, social media, um, it was primarily, you know, AOL Instant Messenger or uh, early versions of like Yahoo groups and forums and some really early iterations of social media as we know it today, but definitely nothing like we like we know today. And then in the last 10 years, you know, we're finishing up the 2010s. Um, funny to think we're finishing a decade. And, and at the beginning of that decade, I was in college, which just makes me feel older than I really feel. Uh, in 2010, uh, just 10 years ago, uh, Instagram launched. Uh, and it's arguably the most important social media platform today. Um, Facebook, bigger, more influential on a global scale. Um, but, insta- but but a lot of people set up a Facebook and only check it fre- infrequently or, or keep up with family or, or classmates uh, from long ago. Instagram is really, I think, uh, this, the statistics would say is the platform people are using every day more religiously than they're using any other social media platform. So um, that, that launched just 10 years ago in October of 2010 and it it hit 1 million users pretty quickly. Since then, all kinds of things have happened, right? I mean, Facebook was around 10 years ago and, and was, was still growing. Snapchat came onto the scene in 2012 or sorry, in 2013, uh, Snapchat, uh, was offered to be bought by Facebook for, for $3 billion. And, uh, and they turned it down. The, the, Founders of Snapchat turned down a three billion dollar check uh, to be bought by Facebook, and now it, it was a smart business decision because if they were, if Facebook tried to buy them now, they'd be worth much more than that, probably ten times as much as that. Hmm. Um, and so, all kinds of things have changed. I think um, just culturally, social media has taken taken a hold of us in a way that a lot of people never thought it would. I remember when I started kind of going into a career in social media back at the beginning of this decade uh, in, the, in 2012 or 2013, um, I remember some family members or, or others who I knew saying, don't don't build your career on that social media stuff. Like it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to be around. Um, and it's just it's funny to see how it's literally affecting democracy as we know it uh, as we speak. So it's it's fascinating to see how it's gone from a sort of niche technology that people just kind of pay attention to for fun and, and connect with friends and post funny pictures of their pets to um, affecting how the world works. I'm talking with Chris Martin from Lifeway Social. We're talking about social media and the way that it has evolved in just the last decade. 
uh, it, it's funny that you say that about, um, you know, having a career that is that that is engaged actively in social media. Um, you can imagine when I called my mom and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be engaged in, in the kinds of platforms that maybe you're most familiar with and excited about for the future. I, I'm going into radio. Like, right. So it was not that right. long ago. And she's like, um, hmm. So people don't necessarily think that radio is as uh, widespread or as effective as it is. And yet mil- tens of billions of people every single day are listening to radio. So I do think that these these avenues of communication, once they are open, once these highways of communication are open and people start using them on a regular basis, they become a part of the warp and woof of our lives and the way that we not only receive information, but we then turn around and communicate with others. That's really the genius of social media. Um, Radio is one way, like, right? It's one direction. Social media gives everybody a platform and a microphone. Did I lose Chris? Yeah, for sure. Social media... Yeah, sorry. I think I think we we cut out there for a second. Sorry about um, that. Social media, it's it's fascinating. It's it's all good. It's fascinating how it um, how it it gives everyone a voice, which is you know it's a lot of people like to bemoan the negatives of social media. You know how it's torn us apart uh, is a common phrase that I've heard. You know, social media has just torn us apart. It's terrible, um, and I think in a in a very basic way, yeah. I mean, social media has certainly not helped our ever growing polarization. But I think it's more it's perhaps more accurate to think of social media as revealing something about us um, rather than turning us into something we weren't already. I think social media has revealed polarization more than it has created polarization. So I think a lot of times we like to place the blame on social media because we don't want to blame ourselves. Um, but really, I think social media just revealed sort of a polarization and hatred in our hearts that existed all along. Uh, and now we just have a way to express it. You know, early on, everybody was really concerned about uh, the internet in general, not social media specifically, but the internet in general, um, allowing people to say whatever they wanted under the guy that they want, if they don't have to put their name on it. Um, at the time, that was true. Now, um, I think we have all devolved in Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to reconnect with Chris Martin during uh, during this quick break. We'll be right back. Talking with Chris Martin from Lifeway Social, we're talking about trends in social media, how they've evolved in the last 10 years, and maybe now we'll pivot and look to um, what we could expect in terms of the evolution of social media uh, in the decade to come. Um, So, Chris, uh, I know we kind of, the end of the conversation that we were having there um, kind of broke up, um, but maybe we just go ahead and pivot from what has passed to what now lies ahead. What what do you see as you look at the future of social media? Yeah, it's it's really going to be interesting to see how things evolve. I think the... um, one thing is we one thing we know for sure is that the sort of polarization or disagreements or um anger and and uh negativity that has resulted from from social media that that we see on social media on a regular basis is not going to get any better 
Um, I think if, if you feel like social media has, uh, you know, if you want to place the blame on social media, if you just want to say it's one of the reasons that a wedge has been driven between people who just believe differently or think differently, um, that's only, I think that's only going to continue to happen. I don't think social media is going to magically bring us together in some sort of unified way like we haven't been before or, or anything like that. I think it's only going to continue driving us apart. Um, and, you know, once upon a time, you used to be able to be friends with people who didn't believe or think the same way as you do. And nowadays, uh, it seems like, especially in the, in the realm of public opinion on social media, if you associate with someone who uh, has beliefs that are different from your own or from your tribes, that could be really uh, damaging to you within your own tribe. Unfortunately, that's the case, and I think that's only going to continue on social media. Uh, I think from a just from a strategic or kind of like technical perspective, I think social media is going to become increasingly tribal, and I don't mean that like in the sort of way we were just talking about, but I think social media is going to continue to move towards the sort of groups mindset. So, um, you know, once upon a time, like we, if we want, run through the timeline very quickly, social media was uh, very kind of private and one-to-one messenger-based, AOL Instant Messenger, early forms of social media, direct messages on platforms. Then with Facebook and Twitter, it's become very public, Instagram, very public, very uh, almost performance. I'm on a stage and I want to get as many likes, comments, or shares as possible, retweets. And I think what we're starting to see is, and the platforms are kind of encouraging this, so this, that's why I think it, it's going to happen, kind of a, a, re, a reverting to the sort of more private, smaller groups that we saw in the early 2010s and even pre-2010s. So Facebook groups are one of the biggest features or facets of social media, one of the fastest growing avenues of social media. Facebook groups. Um, and so those are obviously they're on Facebook, which is a very public platform, but they're groups of people who uh, are, are vegans or are like to parent in a certain way or believe a certain set of things or go to this kind of workout or, you know, do this kind of workout or do. Um, so there, there are all kinds of little groups of people who have various interests or lifestyles and they're they're congregating together around what makes them similar. I think the way I like to view social media in stages is stage one was wow, look at this, we get to connect for people, connect with people from all around the world. Stage two was wow, some of these people from all around the world really think and do really mean things. Stage number three was I hate those people and I want to ruin them. I want to cancel them. I want to you know make their lives terrible because I think they're terrible. And I think stage four maybe kind of what we're moving toward is a, yeah, there are terrible people. The internet has exposed me to people that I believe are mean and terrible and bad. And instead of raging against them, which I feel like is kind of the stage we're currently in is we're all raging against ideologies or people who we think are bad and, and need to be written off. And I think we're eventually in the next 10 years may kind of just retreat into our own bubbles, our own, echo chambers and be more concerned about growing in relationship with people who believe similarly than we do and less concerned with tearing down people who believe differently than we do. I don't know if that'll happen. I don't like, and I don't think it's necessarily good. I don't think echo chambers or retreating to everyone who believes the same thing as we do um, is necessarily good because obviously you lose a diversity of opinion. You lose the ability to interact with people who believe differently. And that can be really damaging to your Socio- sociological development, but then 
uh, it may it may make it look as though there's less conflict, right? So you may get on social media in five years and say, man, people fight on here a lot less than they used to. That's really good. Um, but it may not be really good because they may just be, um, you know, talking about how bad that other group of people are within their own community rather than kind of having it out in the public space. Um, so I think overall, to summarize, I think social media has gone from private in the early 2000s to very public in kind of the stage we've been in lately, in the last 10 years. And I think we may be kind of retreating back to more private-based, messenger-based social media platforms uh, in a more prevalent way than we have in the last five to 10 years. Yeah, and the heart uh, the heart issue is really going to ultimately still be the issue because, you know, what people are saying, you know, if, if they simply retreat to saying it behind others' backs to one another and it's still as uh, full of venom, um, then, you know, the heart issue is still the heart is still the issue uh, for those of us who are Christians and how we address that, how we participate, how we um, confront when necessary, you know, how we go about those things in public um, and in private, I think is really essential. But I would concur with you. I I believe that social media, um, it, although the opportunities are going to continue to expand, we will see uh, individuals retreat from having those conversations as publicly, unless what they're attempting to do is build themselves up as a as a person of influence on that point on that side of a particular issue. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right now, it's it's hard to have constructive conversation online, you know, constructive disagreement online, because right. everyone's performing. That's right. That's totally, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. All right, Chris, you and I are going to have to leave it right there. Um, hey, check out the smartphone tracking article in the New York Times. I was totally freaked out. So anyway, there you go. That's yeah, my that's my social media freak out of the day. Okay. Um, hey, we'll talk with you in the new year. Have a blessed Christmas. Yes, you as well. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back. All right. We are wrapping up uh, this morning session together. We are wrapping up this episode. We are wrapping up this week. We're wrapping up this year, really, uh, not not in the too distant future. Um, let me ask, what's your wrapping today? I will be wrapping all of the gifts that all of the people arriving tomorrow for Christmas brunch um, expect to be under the tree. And then after that, I will be wrapping up all of the gifts for the other 19 people who are coming on Christmas Day. So there's going to be a lot of wrapping in my future. As you, um, as you wrap every gift... I want you to consider the swaddling clause in which Mary wrapped up the real gift of this season. Uh, Because otherwise, gift wrapping just becomes this laborious task. And instead, I just use it as a time to reflect on what that was like to wrap that little baby up for the very first time um, in those bands of cloth that were available to Mary on that night, um, what what was it like to swaddle Jesus? Like, I, you know, as the as the affection for the Christ child is a part of the conversation this season. Have that be at the forefront of your thoughts as you wrap. All right, wrapping up this day and this hour. I want you to have a great day and a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.